Today's show is brought to you in partnership with ClearMotive Marketing. I co-founded this high-impact creative agency over 15 years ago. We deliver marketing that matters to our clients through our three-pillar approach. Number one, research that delivers actionable insights. Two, creative that attracts and engages new customers. And three, which is the backbone of our client's success, the people, process, and technology that ensure efficient, consistent, high-quality results. We have great ideas and incredible creative, which is expected from a national agency. What makes us different is that we also simplify workflow, use technology to speed up projects, and recommend activities that achieve higher returns. There is a mountain of work that happens behind the scenes to produce what our clients take for granted, and that's exactly how we want it. Because great creative combined with well-organized operations is why we have such long-standing relationships. For example, Honda Canada has renewed their contract with us annually for the last 12 years. Our clients are market leaders, so they're incredibly competitive. Efficiency, performance, and consistent results are the only way to get to the top and to stay there. If you're not getting the consistent results you need, I can help. Reach out to me on LinkedIn or check out clearmotive.ca. Hello and a warm collision to YYC. Welcome to my guest this morning, Mr. Darcy Tour. How are you doing, Darcy? I am great. Thanks, Tyler. How are you doing? Oh, man, I'm fabulous. It's so good. It doesn't seem that long ago that I had you on. I love having people back on. And I'm always looking for something happening or going on with their business. And you had a big you know, milestone, which we're going to get into in a second. But let's just start off. Let, let's let everybody into the tent. You are C- CEO at Zazun. What is a Zazun? <laughs> what do you do? What problems do you solve in the world? If anybody in Calgary doesn't already know about you, let's make sure they, let's make sure they do. <laughs> Yeah, well, my pleasure to share, of course. Um, yeah, so uh, Darcy Tour, co-founder CEO of Zazun. Um, we've been around for seven years, and really our focus has been around the problems that ensue by way of people living paycheck to paycheck, right? So a huge, a huge portion of the population uh, in the U.S., 63% of people are paycheck to paycheck. So basically, if something unexpected happens from, you know, you get paid, let's say, every two weeks, um, one weekend, something, your car breaks down, um, you don't have the means to repair it. And when we looked at this and we saw how pervasive this problem is, uh, we started to get more curious around, well, what's available to people if your mom and dad aren't there, right, to get you if out you of the If you don't have a support, a support network. Yeah. You got it. And, um, and what we discovered was uh, what's available to people uh, is just awful. Um, you know, payday lenders, peop- um, people NSFing, uh, overdrafting their bank accounts, banks in the U.S., make over $20 billion a year on those nefarious charges. And so it almost seemed like there's low incentive to fix the problem from their perspective. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, from their perspective, for sure. And so we thought there must be a better way. So Tate Hacker, my co-founder, actually came up with the concept, shared it with me as I was exiting my previous startup. And I, I was like, how is somebody not thought about this one one of those like this must be already happening right (laughs) yeah totally like someone must have dealt with this and um you know really in some ways it's it's certainly an improvement or um disruption to payroll and payroll has been the same for like a century so how in almost a hundred years has somebody not said there's a real problem here and certainly the problem's been exacerbated over the course of time like over the last few decades there's been a real separation between cost of living um, and income in a in a bad way costs have gone up um, income has not gone up commensurate with those costs so that's certainly created this financial epidemic that like i said 63 percent of people are dealing with on a daily basis and from a business, this is not a payday loans company. This is, and I've been doing, doing some creeping as I always love to do, but this mm-hmm. is the earned, earned wage access, which is how, like, what, 
How new is that category versus we've all heard of payday loans? We've all seen the cheesy commercials on TV. I think as an agency, we might've done a couple, a few years back, but the earned, the EWA category, just like, you know, giving a little bit of history, because I always appreciate when something, a disruption comes, it's not always in the form of what it was. You've got to disrupt it by creating a new category. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, when Tate came up with the concept um, and we brought on our co-founder, Jamie Ha, our CFO, um, we started looking at this and it was not a category at the time. And so we certainly believe we were one of the pioneers for this particular category. And, and really the difference is in the name. So a payday loan is truly a loan. Um, so you're borrowing from your future self. So you're in a pay period, but you really just need money. You're hung up. And you go to a payday lender and they look at securitizing your future earnings against a really high cost loan. And the high cost loan is, and you look at it and it's like, wow, that's egregious, but it's really a byproduct of their business model um, being encumbered by a tremendous amount of risk. So what, what that means is they lose a lot of money, so they have to charge a lot to make money. And so what that actually translates into the good customers that pay them back have to pay a tax for the Customers, customers don't, don't. Pay <laughs> and so I, I i always say this i always say to my kids and i think about this for myself personally you make decisions every day when you make a decision think about the impact on your future self how's your future self going to feel about this decision so i need money today and maybe i have no choice i have to go to a payday lender but that means two weeks from now a month from now and probably on a perpetual basis i've really created a challenge um, and, and for many people, it's a debt spiral when you take on that payday loan. So the difference with Zazen is that word loan. We are not alone. Um, you have earned your money. You've worked hard for your money. Your employer just happens to pay you every two weeks or in some cases uh, every month. And so you effectively are a creditor to your employer um, because they owe you money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so think about the contrast. Like you, your employer owes you $500. Your car broke down. You need to get. You need to pay five hundred dollars to fix your car. But your employer just because they're managing their own cash flow because of pay payroll cycle. Well, because the really, way it's been done for a century. To your earlier comments, so it's okay because yeah. that's just what the construct that we know. And I think some of the best ideas, certainly Apple's mantra, like challenge the status quo. So you know, when, so this is the way we've always done it. Is a reason to take a shot at it, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and so ours is quite simple. We are stepping in as an intermediary to provide you with those hard-earned funds on behalf of your employer. Um, Because employers in many ways are as financially um, disempowered as the people that they're paying, especially the There's a chain of events depending on who's paying your employer when they're paying. Everybody's managing each other with... Everyone's treating you like a miniature bank at one point or another, right? As as a business or or an employee or... Yeah, you're just extending that out. We've all sent invoices and got paid 120 days later, but yet my employees <laughs> need to get paid at the end of this month or, or, or every two weeks, right? So it you is a, it's, it perpetuates on itself, I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so let's talk about the huge win you've had recently. And I certainly, I'm calling it that. I would, I assume that it would fit in that category. Yet you had a Series B round of 34.5, which I want to get into that. But I also want to pull back a little bit, like that 34.5 versus some of the earlier rays when you were the new player in a in maybe a very unknown category. Just even talking about the dichotomy of how it's progressed for you guys over that the last six, seven years. Yeah. Well so when you think about raising capital, um, especially with um, venture capitalists, 
you, you've got to really think about your audience, right? In any case, when you're dealing with a, you know, a counterparty, you need to think about your audience. And when you think about venture capital, like the very, I think the, the very best VCs look at opportunities and what they do to be efficient is they find, um, they find a really fast path to disqualify the opportunity, right? Because if yep. you think about the deal flow that they get, a lot of VCs are looking at 400, 500 deals a month, um, but they may only invest in two or three a year. Um, so the top of the funnel is huge. And so in the early days, to answer your question around how, how did it change, when there wasn't a category, and I said, well, we're going to be the category leader. Click out. <laughs> and they're like, what category are you talking about? Help me understand where to put you. I can't figure it out. I put you over in the not, do, do not apply column. <laughs> yeah, the mis- we're going to yeah. win the miscellaneous category, so no one ever. <laughs> yeah, touche. Mm-hmm. How and quickly, so how quickly, how, how efficient we get at weeding out what, you know, just by the amount of uh, sure messages we, we receive every day as humans let alone in a VC environment where everybody is the next big thing from their side to, to them, right? Yeah, and, and the other thing to remember, um, VC capital, and you know, when we chatted about this in our previous session, um, we hadn't taken on, on institutional capital. It was all re, like really through our network. It was through quasi kind of family offices, uh, the intergens of the world that are there to support us, but they're not strictly, um, or they're not AVC, right? And when when you think about it as an entrepreneur, and this is important for those entrepreneurs and future entrepreneurs that are listening, only 1% of the capital that gets deployed um, to startups is through a venture capitalist. Oh, wow. Uh, I've and, not heard that so, number. Wow. That's, that's so we okay. romanticize the, the label, the um, achievement, if you will, of getting VC funds. Um, but you're really setting yourself up for, and this is what almost happened to us um, when we didn't get VC funding in the previous round, you almost set yourself up for a binary outcome. And, and I think you hmm. that, we, that, so we almost died because we set ourselves up for binary outcome with our series a right at the end of 2021. And then I kind of saw a little bit of a, like a shiny (laughs) alternative, which was, Hey, I believe in this business. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. Tate is Jamie is, and that's going to send a signal that we believe this. And if the VCs disqualify us because the category hasn't been formed, that doesn't mean we have to disqualify ourselves. And there are 99% of the capital out there isn't VC capital. Let's go find that. So Inter- that's interesting. The, that's and, the, and was that an epiphany moment of like, whoa, uh, well, I, I see the wall coming at us. We need to make a right turn or a left turn. Like thinking back to you get an idea in your head of this is how it's going to work out. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I'm starting to see, like, do you keep the head down ass up or do you go, whoa, this dashboard doesn't look good. I, I'm being forced to kind of re kind of reassess how I reframe the whole thing. Tyler, like you, you, you nailed it. The walls were closing in. So we had, like, think about this. We had 33 staff at the time. Um, We were serving 10,000 customers at the time. Um, Our business for the last 18 months had been growing 10% per month. So we were tripling the business year over year. But I could not get capital. And we were, our runway might have been six weeks. Oh, wow. And it was Christmas. So here we are at Christmas. Oh, so this is the timely. And for everyone listening, we're recording this like three days before Christmas 2023. (laughs) So I'm, we, so Jamie and I actually just 
did a road show. We put our own money where our mouth um, is, and in three weeks we raised twelve and a half million dollars from non. And that was back in twenty. That was back in twenty one. Yeah, end of twenty one. It took us three weeks, and so we went from I'm thinking we we're going to die. The walls were closing in, um, and then I I did have an epiphany, and I remember calling the boys. Remember calling Marcos Lopez, my board member, and like um, just incredible uh, supporter mentor, and said, "Hey, what if we lead this round? Like, damn, damn the people that don't get it, or yeah, shame yeah, yeah. on us yeah, for yeah, not having it. explained <laughs> it, right?" If this, so is a mo- if this is a movie, this is the turn. This is where the story turns, right? It starts heading it in is, a new direction. Yeah, the music gets intense. 100%. <laughs> so and we so you went gamble. out and you just started past relationships, calling, phone. Hey, do you know somebody? Yeah, let you know, re- refer me here. Uh, pass me on. Oh, open a door. Was it literally as grassroots as that? Absolutely. Like right. Jamie and I were, we'd start our day out and we would just go like around Calgary. Remind me of the old like my old Spira startup days, like, cause our clients were all in Calgary. We just wandered around the plus 15s. <laughs> go, to the, go to the hunting ground. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> so this was the same. It's like, Hey Tyler. Okay. You can't, you're not re- willing to write a check, but do you know someone who would? And you're like, yeah. Oh, I know this guy over here who works in this family office. And could we buy him a coffee? And you know, and in three weeks we'd raise 12 and a half million dollars. That's a, oh, I love that story. Cause it's so, I love these stories cause it's so easy to look at the end and go, Oh wow. But so fortunate. Wow. It all worked out. The story behind the story is always where the nuggets are, where the learning is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you think it's all great. What about that time when it almost blew up? What about that time? Oh, no, one, no, one, no one talks about that when they say how lucky you are because you raised 34.5. And did well, that money, I, did I, that 12 I, all come out of Calgary? Did that all come out of, like, yeah. quote, unquote, the community? Yeah, 95% of it certainly wow, came out of Calgary, it. yeah. Yeah, and that's why I always talk about Sandy Gilbert. I talk about Marcos and his group, like the former uh, Solium Shareworks yep. gang. Um, I'm a big fan of Sandy. I've had her on a couple of times. I just she's a force. She's a force of, it, of nature all of her own. <laughs> yeah, the community owns her, owes her um, for just everything that she's done and is doing. Unrelenting. <laughs> yeah, unrelenting energy. So that's 21. You raise it. You you raise the 12, <clears throat> and from a from a format you gave up that was dilutive non-dilutive like what what did that still leave you whole in a place that sets you up for the next because i've often heard yeah you know, entrepreneurs on the show be like hey be careful this this you got to think about the next move on your on your pool shot because if you if, if, if you blow it here you can really hurt yourself down the road yeah and there's two ways to do it right so you know we're all we're all reflective on zerp right like no money was free um, valuations are out of those out of this world. So I actually think we got lucky by not getting institutional capital in 2021 because I bet it would have been at a 20, 30, 40 x run rate, right? Like just a, a totally unreasonable valuation. Which for your ego at the time and the amount of capital you can raise against back to your future self valuation, <laughs> you got it. And so I, I get to read the press clippings that you know were valued at hundreds of millions of dollars and we've raised this money but my future self then has a massive pref stack i have to outrun for my common shareholders for the people around calgary that we passed the hat out to um so what i think where we got really lucky was we were always forced to do it in um with rational metrics that that um, with that, common that sense and, re- and reason, Darcy, that sounds crazy yeah, right? during that period of time in 21, early 22. So we, well, yeah, and we priced the round. Like Jamie, um, Jamie Haw, former investment banker, first, like 15 years at First, First Energy. And so he took a very um, 
traditional approach to here's here's the valuation, here's what our projections are, here's a discount, like a discounted cash flow model, here's a here's what we're seeing in, in the market in terms of what we think is realistic. And then recognizing we don't you so you don't want to dilute yourself to a point where you end up with such a small portion of the company. You lose the juice, you, right? Yeah. You lose the juice. And yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. the work, it's orders of magnitude more work than a normal job. Like, let's be honest. So you have to, you the have to The outcome also has to have orders of magnitude more potential. It has to be commensurate. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. So, but you also, and, and this is what's lost on people, I think, until now. And me too. I think I just got lucky I didn't end up with this inflated, in the inflated environment. So now I look at our cap table and the pref stack and i'm like i i can like i can outrun run that like in my mind i'm like i yeah, can outrun yeah, that yeah. in six months right and, and how much of did, a value how much of a value proposition like what aside from the business and the growth and the roadmap we'll talk about that but when you went to market for the series b i'm assuming that like that story that groundwork really sets you up for that next round mm-hmm. yeah yeah it did i think the discipline um w- there's this kind of dichotomy um, when you're, I think, a Canadian tech entrepreneur. Because one thing we did, and we've always done, is we put a plan together that we believe is achievable with stretch in it. Um, and, but typically, I put forth to our investors, here's a plan, and this is non-negotiable to me and the team, right? We have a high degree of confidence we can hit this plan. And then internally, I'm like, hey, I'll add 10% to that plan and be like, hey, guys, this is non-negotiable. Um, and that, I, like, that's pretty, I think that's a good model to go. And everybody knows that's kind of how, how I do it. Um, and what, we, what we've done, Tyler, is like, so we, we'll, we'll tend to, so the last two years, we've, we've tripled our business year over year, the last two years, probably three years, actually. Um, and, but that was always the plan. But I think when a lot of people present to an institution, they're like, we're going to 5x the business this year with that your tendency capital. to overstate the hand. 10x. Yeah, but 12 months goes by in the blink of an eye. But what the disservice to us when we were speaking to institutions originally was, wow, these guys aren't aggressive enough. But what happened was, mm-hmm. like, we've spent years building relationships with institutional investors. And so when our investor came in in the Series B round, what, what happened was, and their story back to us was which I loved. Um, they said we've met with you. Like we look at our notes, and VCs, especially the good ones, take very detailed notes, and they they run the data, um, and you know they're running this against like really standardized models on valuation and market, etc. And the, our investors that came in, they said, you know, we met with you four years in a row. And every time we met with you, you said you're going to do a thing. And then we discount that, right? Because like everyone says yeah. we're going to do a thing and they do a third of that thing um, or lots of people. And they're like, by the fourth time we met with you, every time we looked at our notes, you guys had exceeded what you were going to do. And so it got to the point where we're like, we just had to believe you. And if we waited any, every, t- every time we wait, it just gets more expensive for us to get on the journey with you. But that took four and years so, though. I really appreciate the overnight four, four year, you know, or many, many more than four, but that's a, I, yeah. the value of looking at it from the outside, thinking it just happened. And I know no one's, we're not that oversimplified, but it's easy to make that mistake. <laughs> the oh, Hollywood man. version of like, oh, in a two yeah. hour story arc, it all worked out. It's not how it goes. So I literally love the four-year story behind that because it's because yeah. it's honest. <laughs> yeah, it's reality. Um, and just even thinking about going from the Series A, raising the thirty-four for you guys, 
because I've had said to me before from VCs, they're like, hey, you know what? Your goal should be to not take my money if you can keep, if you can do it on your own. But I also appreciate that there's just the reality of growth takes capital and you've got this momentum. Just talk to me about the decision of even going in and to take more, taking on more money to potential dilute or just make things more, quote unquote, more complicated. Yeah, we, this was a gut check moment, Tyler, because we, we actually didn't need VC money. So you, you'll hear this it's often. Best time, best time to get best money. Time, <laughs> best time to get money is when you don't need it. And so we were on a path to positive cash flow. Um, and everyone, you, you could say that, but we, we literally were. And ironically, when the, when our series B funds hit the account, which I don't, you don't close until the funds in the account, you've got like six more days, right? And then we've all been sales in sales long enough. It's not a done deal till it's a done deal. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And so when the funds hit our account that month, we were positive EBITDA and I was like, yeah, of course we're positive EBITDA. Now we've got all of this money in the bank account and you've got to, you've obviously got to use the proceeds. You've got a plan. Yeah. You got to put that into play because there, we want to see action now, right? Activity. So, here was a gut check moment. I sat down with T and Jamie and cause we went to market and then I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's interest. And we, it was a competitive process. And I said to the boys, I'm like, okay, so now we, we hadn't even set up a data room. Cause we're like, ah, we'll just test the market. Yeah. Go out and just, t- yeah, yeah. Just, just, just feel it out. <laughs> <laughs> just go take a, just go take a walk in the woods and see if you see anything. <laughs> yeah. And then I, so my team and we we're so busy, um, you know, we did, we tripled the business this year. That took a tremendous amount of work and Amazing. hustle. Um, what's your, what's your head count now, Darcy? What are you guys up to? Uh, we're 105 right yeah, that's now. That's a real number. It's a lot. Of, that's yeah. a lot of bodies. That's a lot of, that's a lot of humans. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of responsibility. Yes, I and, appreciate that. And, uh, so I said to the boys, we, I, I remember just sitting down and I said, okay, if we do this, we're, we're making a decision because by way of taking VC funds, um, they are looking, they've picked you, they've tried to find a reason not to invest and they couldn't find one. So they, they are, they're investing, but their, their investment thesis for every investment a VC makes in general is they want that investment to return their fund. Right. And so they, they're not looking for a three X or a five X, right? Like they want a 20 X on that investment they, they, they they're going to invest even your profile around payday loans are like it's riskier dollars so therefore the yield has to be high like that is the it's the formula you know, kind of pulled out at another at a, just from yeah. another perspective right yeah same remember, same same but different <laughs> it, it, same but different i remember pat were uh, one day we invited him into our office in the early days and he walked a bunch of us through like that portfolio theory right like this is you know their vc is going to make 20 investments and you know out of that there might be one or two unicorns or it's going to be a few that'll you know provide a 3x or 4x return but like they're really built to and think about that that's the one percent of capital being deployed into those 28 investments and only two of them are going to provide yeah, the that percentage of the return. percentage if they're lucky right yeah and or if they're good i should say and maybe well a little lucky. bit good and a little bit like you can never totally unrule luck from the equation <laughs> <laughs> luck good or bad sometimes too i know we don't the rational among us never want to use that as a as a story but sometimes <laughs> yeah uh, now okay I, it takes me a long time to answer a question but the so tate jamie and i i said kate boy it's like this we are now going to have to swing big and we've been swinging big but we've actually built a lot of enterprise value for mm-hmm. our employees for our families 
Um, in what sounds they, like a very disciplined and, but very consistent yeah. yield and approach that you've taken. Yeah, totally. So we're on the path to positive cash flow. We built something that for there's a tremendous amount of value for all of our stakeholders and everyone. We hadn't take on, taken on VC investment at that point. So you know, our early shareholders would get a wonderful return. So like we could put this thing up for sale. And yeah, you, you were about really to well. change the cards. So you're about to change the deck, right? <laughs> you got it. And, yeah. and so I said, we have to, we have to be very, very deliberate. And we have to like, we have like this, where there's a fork in the road and there's a left and a right. And are we, are we willing to take that right? The path on the right, which is we like, we need to create a multi-billion dollar outcome for our investors. Um, and that's, it's a different road. Here's what this looks like. We're going to be 300 people in the next three years to get to X run rate, to get to Y enterprise valuation. That's, um, you, it changes the talent you hire. It changes how like you're working hard, but you're actually, you have to work harder or as hard, but also level yourself up because for yeah. me to be the CEO of a, um, you know, of a hundred person company, that's, different than the CEO of a 150 person company or 200 person or whatever run rate um, you're managing, right? I really appreciate the human side of what you're talking about. I'm like, yeah, okay, well, absolutely. Chase the chase the golden ring and just do the thing because we get so programmed versus stepping back, go, wait a second, what do we want? What are we willing to sacrifice to get? And lifestyle and hours and family time. Yeah. And like, there's so much more to it. I appreciate that you guys sat down and had a little fireside about that because the easy Capitalist in this is like, absolutely. You're gonna, why would you never? Well, still, let's just make sure we know what we're agreeing to before we agree to it, right? And I really appreciate that that human side yeah, of that conversation. There, well, and I guess like the rationale, I think it's important I mention this. It wasn't about doing the math on like what we think our equity is going to be worth at a $2 billion outcome. It was actually the $2 billion outcome means that we are impacting 700,000 customers. We're improving the financial health and security of a million customers, let's say, right? And so then so then you're connecting your legacy to impact, of which certainly the byproduct of that magnitude of impact is going to be wealth creation for all of our investors and, you know, everybody that's been part of this. But there's journey. a longer tail to your business, which I appreciate. It's not yeah. just it's not just what what what's in my what's in my wheelbarrow at the end. <laughs> Yeah, and, what's, and it, our, what's in my our, whole, my bucket? I guess maybe it's because you can fill your bucket up with different things. <laughs> totally, and, and like we we align on um, our big hairy audacious goal, the BHAG, which has saved ten million people, ten billion dollars, and we track it. So you know, this year it's hundreds of thousands of customers. Well, pick a key result and then, and then measure it, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I love the like. So what I'm hearing was you took the time. You were very disciplined. You did. You you had a roadmap and you delivered on it. I love the four year story of like. Well, we're seeing you guys again, and yet again, you're doing what you say. <laughs> just for anybody listening, and you built those relationships over time. And you know, you 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 built the relationship before you needed to make the ask. And how critical it is to do that. But I do love that when it was time to you know six weeks and the wall is coming right at you. You just got out there and you and you pounded the pavement, you know, pounded the press the flesh, all the cheesy <laughs> metaphors that are used for that. But I really love the grassroots side of that. That nothing easy about it, and also like hard work and just putting in the time. Um, anything you would do different around the around the series the, the series B? Yeah, what I would do different um, differently w would be 
running a more structured process. So remember okay. I said we we just kind of put feelers out and we're, we're so heads down in the business, which I love. Like that's my favorite part um, is building the business with the team, right? Raising capital is not, it, it's another job on top of the job you have and it, and it, it creates a real You're not the only founder who said that. Like, oh, yeah. I, was like, I felt like I was duct taped to my office chair and duct taped to my Zoom camera <laughs> for, for, well, for four and weeks. It was eight months. It was eight months yeah. from... Deciding to put the feelers out to the money in the bank, right? Um, you know, so you've got a tremendous amount of diligence, negotiation. You you sign a term sheet, and I think a lot of people think that's the win. I, I felt like that was the win, and then I was like, there was actually another eighty. That was the, days that was the work. start. <laughs> that was actually yeah, the start of round eighty two. days yeah. of work because um, even at, like, and, and this is good for founders to hear. When you sign a term sheet, you've signed it with a lead investor. Well. Very rarely is that lead investor funding the entire round, right? So you're you're setting a so a, a whole other a whole second tier process starts at that point. Yeah. So then they're like find a secondary or, or um, find a um, find a follow on investor and um, and is that on you 100 percent or do they tap into their network as well and open some doors? Yeah, they absolutely tap into yeah. their network, but um, you it's not they don't remove as much friction as you might think. They're really just creating the intro. It's, it's, it's not a guaranteed yes is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so then the, the, the institutions that follow, um, they'll count on the, the primary institution, the lead to do the negotiation, to set the terms like that all gets established. Um, well, and, you get, and you're getting access to the back room. You're not getting guarantees. Like you still have yeah, to earn it. You've got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so a tremendous amount of work, uh, to get there, and then you have to remember the longer it takes to close, that introduces deal risk because there's no more guarantee. Things change. Yeah, yeah. More things change, and doing the background on the VC, um, ours our lead was Framework Ventures, who are incredible, by the way. But they are so diligent in their diligence up to the term sheet. Like their close, a good question to ask is like, what's your percentage close rate from mm. executing a term sheet? And for them, it's like it was nearly 100. percent Oh, interesting. So by the time they, they, they take the, they take the term sheet seriously. So you're saying yeah. versus, yeah. versus getting you locked up and then 80 days goes by and kind of things. Yeah. You're locked up. Of, right. And, and there's, yeah, yeah. it's not legally binding. And so you, 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 could you imagine that it doesn't happen 60 days in and now you have to restart everything. And now you've got kind of like the strike against you for the, um, and, and arguably depending, you've now been distracted from your business, from your core day-to-day tasks. Hopefully not, but like you said, it's another part-time slash full-time job while you're doing that. On top yeah, of the stuff the you're already cost. doing, which is running your business, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. So for you guys, just in terms, you mentioned we didn't have a deal room set up. We kind of just went to put our feelers out. Based on your past rounds, based on, like I guess, that level of organization that you recommend like before going out. Sounds like you went out just to feel the... And all of a sudden, it's like, well, we've got interest. Now we got to backfill and get our get our shit together to get all of our... our, our like just how much time and energy and... Do you recommend doing a lot of upfront work before you know there's interest? Or I guess it really, I guess it's situational, but yeah. Yeah. Like my recommendation would actually be um, like when you're not even ready to do VC funding, like when you're just thinking about it, (laughs) my recommendation would be start building the network and then start figuring out from the VCs what's important to them. Because they're smart, like they they get a real and they do sense. this all the time. You do it you do it every they, couple of years, right? Just they to think do about this volume. all the time. Yeah. And, and so 
I'll, I'll give you a really good example. Um, I remember talking to a tier one VC out of the U.S. Like just so intimidating. And the first question, <laughs> the first question he asked me, like this was an unbelievable question, and it was like such a such a basic building block question um, that I bet you most founders can't answer. Oh, I love it. So yeah. when you spend a dollar in your business, when you burn a dollar in your business. When do you get that dollar back in gross margin? A lot of people Oof. cannot answer that. Yeah, my brain's spinning right now. <laughs> yeah. And so that's really important because that's the economic engine. So I'm spending, like, if you think about the capital you deploy in your own business, obviously the the whole purpose is to get a return on that invested capital build enterprise value and create that separation from the value today and the value tomorrow, and then ultimately monetize that value for your investors. And the definition of a successful tech company is not getting to a hundred million in revenue. It's providing a return yes. for your investors. So when you spend a dollar in your business, you burn a dollar in your business, when is it returned in gross margin? That's it. Yeah. There's probably a few people listening right now with their, do I reach for my calculator? Do I call my CFO? How do I, how do I approach that question? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then, yeah, to get back to the original question, when you, what, when and how do you start preparing the data room? And it's kind of like board meetings. You, everything you have in the data room or anything you're going to prepare to the board should actually just be what you use to manage your business. So hmm. I want to know my sales efficiency. So what's my sales velocity? What's my return on sales and marketing investment? So for every every dollar I spend in sales and marketing, I want to see a, at least $2 in ACV, right? And annual contract value. Um, for what, what are, what's my burn rate efficiency? So I, like in my business today, I have to burn 25 cents to make a dollar. Well, that's a wonderful efficiency, but as you take on capital and you hire more people, your burn rate goes up and then your it starts to shift and that's okay for a time, but your job is to get that burn efficiency back and ultimately then establish a direct line to positive cash. While recognizing the gains that it created in the interim of having those extra bodies and those, that extra capacity, right? You got it. And then, so, so ultimately building out the data room that should be a byproduct of how you manage your own business. Now, it's not going to be. Like, if you're a seed stage company, you're not going to have that discipline. You're not going to, it might not even make sense. What to I appreciate is don't get it. caught up thinking it's something totally different, that there's more simulators and there's differences, if I'm hearing what you're saying. Yeah. And, it's and like, and oh, like, I have oh. to do this whole separate thing that'll just sit there and get stale. But no, because it is how you're actively either communicating with your board or what you, what you actually are yeah. caring about in your business. Yeah. Exactly. I think a good example for the board is, at the end of every month, like you have your leadership review of like the key metrics in the business, how you're doing on um, your key initiatives, um, you know, where maybe there are certain issues, uh, your KPIs, right? Capital efficiency, runway, all of that stuff, leading indicators, hopefully as well. That gets disseminated to the board. And then your board meeting is really just an aggregation of that and hopefully a distillation. And then you've got some core issues um, and opportunities to discuss, but it shouldn't be a lot of work. Like Sean Abbott wrote a wonderful article on like board governance and how like a functional board should work to be additive rather than just kind of extra lift and overhead to the management team. Now it's, I'm saying that and my board members, I, my 
listen to this are like, yeah, well, we, Darcy, like, we don't, we're not there yet with Zazer. And I've had a lot of board for seven years, right? Um, but we get better every, the point is, like, continue to get better every, you know, I'm, I'm okay to talk about it from an aspirational perspective and know that, yes, this is what yeah. we're going for and we're not going to be perfect, but to your point, yeah. you don't know what you're trying to hit. I appreciate just breaking that part because it's easy for someone who's not gone through it. I've done it at a small scale, but to think about it as this big daunting thing, which it is, but how do you make it more comparative and collaborative with how you're actually already running your business? Yeah. And it shouldn't be a whole different set of metrics if because if they're thinking this is important and you're not even tracking it, there's that already doesn't make sense, right? So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and well, let's talk about Sandy again. Sandy has this amazing fintech startup. They won fintech of the year mm-hmm. this year, and, and, and they've been around um, for quite a few years, like ten, 10 and years. Point, or yeah, yeah. So uh, we use DealPoint. Um, they help you set up your. Um, your whole data room, provide access, dissemination of uh, That's deal That's an documents. excellent plug for Sandy. Well done. Well placed. Well done. <laughs> oh, I owe her, but it's yeah, a, yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, that's like, talking reference. about this exact task. That's where you can yeah. go to have it have to get some support. Mm-hmm. Totally right. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit just for the roadmap is you know marketing product tech. What how how, do, how is this the Series B getting deployed? Like, what's kind of some of the key milestones that you've got? Now that it's it's landed, it's in, and now we're like, okay, now we got to we got to do the thing with the with the grist for the mill, which is the which is the funds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we we all know kind of the journey. Uh, series A, you've got product market fit. Um, you've got a general thesis around like here's our customer acquisition costs, here's our LTV, and we've got maybe not statistically relevant data, but we've got enough data to like connect the dots, right? To know that we're somewhat pointing the gun in the right direction. Yeah, and so Series A, A, they're really still looking at the team and saying, this team has not figured it out yet, but they figured out a lot of things. And there really seems to be this like really positive signals on product market fit. And they're kind of there, they've got conviction and they've got some really good, like intellectually honest thinking around how they're going to grow the business and the, the, the addressable market and you know what they're going to win. Um, series B, you've got to demonstrate more, um, more of a codification, more of a framework around this. Here's how this is working. It's we're scaling, right? We've got tremendous growth and we've got, you actually need to demonstrate capital efficiency at that point. And then you need to show that you can preserve capital efficiency to get to a, a really meaningful run rate, um, like revenue run rate and line of sight to like, if you've got capital efficiency and you can grow efficiently, then ultimately you get line of sight to um, positive cash flow. And then enterprise, so enterprise value creation um, <laughs> is a few things. So it's predictable revenue growth. Um, it's it's showing meaningful unit economics and hopefully a line of sight to improved unit economics, especially in fintech. Um, you've got uh, the ability to ideally like win a category. That's really really important for VCs because they're not going to get that twenty x if you're not if you don't end up being the category leader. You can't be an also um, ran company. You've got to be yep. like I always say we're going to be the clean x of earn wage access for for our category, right? For the SMB category. And then um, you, you want to show a level of sophistication where you can um, leverage like the data that you're capturing in your business to drive uh, more efficiency. So sales, growth, efficiency, customer, um, customer impact and delight, and other ways to inform how you're going to improve 
um, on that product experience by either making your product better, improving ARPU, so average revenue per user, or even deploying um, another product, right? Uh, that, that's going to help drive ARPU, help provide competitive uh, advantage. So those are the boxes that you want to check for enterprise value creation post Series B. And that's, that's all hard work and they kind of work against each other because um, you're also managing risk in the business at the same time. So you're trying to grow, you're trying to build out the supports internally because um, the scale up means you're doing more with less. And so that means you're now looking at systems, um, you're looking at revenue per or margin per full-time employee. Um, so at our run rate, I'm proud of only being 105 people. Um, I know there are companies a lot smaller than us that have 200 people. So I'm proud of that, but I'm also seeing people break and systems well, break. You have to realize that there's a, that, what's the corresponding potential cost for risk to you that? Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which ultimately we're still just a bunch of humans having a messy experience. And then how do you manage that? <laughs> yeah. And if we, and if totally. we burn each other out, that's a short, that's a, that's a, that's a, you're playing the short game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfection isn't the goal. So you, you, but you, you need to manage and understand your priority priorities um, and risks and make sure you're investing in, in those and that they're you're not spread too thin i think people it always sounds like a lot of money when you raise but then you put your budget together and your plan and you're like oh my gosh like there's still a lot of scarcity <laughs> we, we, we could have got more in this yeah, money yeah. and money and horsepower too much of it, it creates other problems but at the same time yeah. um where, where is framework ventures i don't know them where are they based out of they're based out of Toronto. Okay. Company. Mm. Yeah. Any challenges or any, um, being a Western Canadian company when you're talking to VCs and I've chatted with, but this is probably a year ago. I had some conversations about companies here in Calgary that, you know, um, went to raise and they basically could hardly get a call back here. They had to go to Toronto and then there was some actually pretty solid, solid interest. You know, Helsom has some stories like that. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I'm curious about that journey. Was that just who showed up at the table? And is, you know, I know most of your work. Do you even is is all in the U.S. Basically, right? So yeah, we're 100 percent in the U.S. Okay, 100. percent Any? any yeah, I, I think, think I probably asked you this on the first call we chatted about. So yeah. I can't help but circle back to it. Doesn't sound like any disadvantages or in, to any effect of actually being based here. I think we got into this much on a deeper yeah, level we, in, our last, in our last show. Like having Neo here and Cement, <laughs> yeah, um, companies that have raised a tremendous amount of capital. Um, it, like it kind of that, those guys and absorb and Solium Shareworks and Benevity, they started to put Calgary on the map. Yeah, and now it's great. Um, we're, we're getting further it, down that cycle of our ecosystem yeah. being quote unquote new from the tech yeah. space perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And hell somebody. Yeah. Like Nick and I chat lots cause we were very uh, Nick's a good stages. dude, man. I got a lot, I got yeah. a lot of time for Nick. He's great. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> Um, so interesting to hear and like, so good to, I always, I enjoyed our last conversation because you, you have a very business side, but there's always a little bit of philosophy in terms of how you <laughs> tell the stories, which I really love <laughs> the business that. philosopher. Well, cause it is, there is a blend of both and there's the hard numbers. Like you said, there's the journey that you're on and then, you know, your love of like, I love being in the business and this is a separate thing. And it, it's a different set of skills that I think yeah. for some founders, especially in early stages, like, Whoa, Oh shit. I didn't know I had to be good at this. You know, that, that, that's a reality. <laughs> Yeah, well, something my VC said to me, um, like at this stage, and it it hit me really hard. He's like, "Your whole job now, Darcy, is people. Like, it's people management. It's building out um, the right executive leadership team. It's making sure that um, people are aligned and um, you're building out efficient. Like, it's and, and I'm like, oh man, 
I'm good. I feel like I'm good one on one, but like, <laughs> like where you know, it's it's, gonna... it's taking on it. Back, you said you you have to like. I think I, I had a ex- executive speaker years ago, and she said, you know, most most leaders at any one point will all of a sudden get this like imposter syndrome of like, oh shit, my business needs somebody different. He said, I'll yeah. argue. I think it was she. She said, I'll argue that you are still the best person at that time and you yeah. just got to grow with it. And that easy, like, Oh geez, it's not me. It's someone else. She goes, it's rarely someone else. It's usually you. <laughs> and I, I, that landed in my head kind of in correlation yeah. to your comment. <laughs> yeah. You have to, you have to grow. Um, Cause you're, you're dictating and predicting where the business is going to be. So then you have to work backwards on yourself and say, what kind of leader do I need to what be? What do I need at, to be there? Yeah. yeah. At a hundred million run rate with 200 people. What do I need to, what does that leader need to look like? And then you're also working backwards on the plan, which is like, what team? Yeah, it's like what's the, the delta, what's the gap, here. all the costs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you're, back, you're, back you're to, there's physically hours and then there's the mental hours of that as well, because it's a journey. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, totally. congratulations. I love your story. I love our chats. I do, I, I do love the full, philosophical side of your nature, which is <laughs> part of why I really enjoy you keep a broader perspective around it. And you, I like what you said. It's easy to go, oh, it's a big number. But what you shared with us today is like, here's a lot of reality behind it of how we got. And yeah, it's easy to shine a big light and it gets a headline, but there's a whole group of real people and a real journey behind all that, which I really appreciate. You, you, you bring that to the story, I think, really, really well. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks, Tyler. Well, yeah, it's always, it's always my pleasure to chat. Right on, man. Well, congratulations. And hey, we're on a six-month rotation now, so I'll see you in six months. I don't know, one way or another. <laughs> well, we've got some exciting things. Uh, oh, nice. Nice. Getting teasers? Do you want to share? Anyone who's still listening, they're, they're bought in at this point. They're 43 yeah. minutes in. <laughs> well, if, um, if you're a Canadian business owner, I'd love to chat. Or oh, okay. Or a nice. provider. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's certainly, I think, there's uh, an incredible opportunity now um, in Canada in concert with the U S so that's something interesting. So things are shifting. The landscape is shifting, creating some more different opportunities. Yeah. I think it'd be a shame to do this and have impact in the U S and, and not take this to our own backyard. Well, based on your core North star of what you're trying to do. Yeah. absolutely. like, Hey, who do you want to usually help most is, 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 is the people at home. Right. And, but yeah. it gives you a chance to broaden up that, the reach of that number. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. All right. Well, stay, stay tuned. 2024 is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to it. Darcy, thanks, thanks so much, man. I really, I really appreciate your time and this will probably air in, in February, but we are right before Christmas. So happy holidays. And it was yeah, a really great holidays. chat with me. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah. Take care. All right. Bye.